Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. I had a couple of people texting me about uh, hockey cards during the break. That, that is a fun discussion to have every once in a while here on the show. So thanks for uh, listening to Ken Reed and I chat about that. We had Aaron Grimes from the Edmonton Elks on a little bit earlier. He's healed up from that injury uh, last season, and he'll be on the field on Saturday when the Elks play their second and final preseason game. It's against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who uh, have been the class of the CFL over the last four or five seasons. 12.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game will start at 2 here on 6.30. Chet, and then June 11th is the Elks' first game. It's home to Saskatchewan, and they'll try to end that long home field winning streak on that day. Yeah, 2-1 Panthers leading the Hurricanes' second period about to start, and the Rays have beaten the Blue Jays 7 3 So the Blue Jays uh, looked like they maybe got out of a slump yesterday with that 21 win over the Rays, but right back into the loss column tonight. Of course, uh, for the uh, Oilers, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to a couple people who are saying, starting to get over it, starting to come out of the funk after the Oilers were eliminated uh, a week and a half ago by the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, some of their offseason storylines tight against the cap. What might happen with somebody like uh, Yamamoto? Is Campbell going to bounce back next year? Still talking about all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it, it looks like most of the team for the Oilers will probably be back. I, I wonder if the same thing is going to happen a little further south in this province uh, with the Calgary Flames, who uh, I thought should have been a playoff team, and they never really got it going, and they missed the playoffs, and they need a coach, and they just installed the new general manager, and to go over some of that stuff is Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Pat, thanks for hopping on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just waiting for this uh, Edmonton Elks uh, Calgary Stampeders game to end. I think it's still going on. <laughs> yeah, it's still raining. It's still <laughs> did, did you go, or were you in the city when no, that was, was happening? I was, I was on the air, but I had. I I will say, give the CFL credit. I can watch a preseason game for free, and uh, I had it on kind of in the background while we were uh, doing our show on Monday. So, um, yeah, we uh, and then we we, we knew Craig Conroy was going to be announced on Tuesday, so we were just counting down the hours. Uh, before we get to, to that topic, we just had Ken Reed on from Sportsnet, the, the TV Sportsnet, because uh, you're Sportsnet Radio. That, that sounded really awkward, that, that, that uh, Sportsnet TV thing they do. Uh, yeah. he, like you, as you know, Ken's a massive hockey card guy. Uh, are you, do you have any hockey cards? Did you ever have any hockey cards? Did you have like some in a shoebox in your basement or what? Oh yeah, still at my parents' place. I uh, so every um, every Saturday for about I want to say five or six years, probably from the age of nine to fourteen, me, my mom, and my younger brother 
would all go. There were two spots in Calgary that we went to. First place was called uh, Abdicards, uh, a guy by the name of Dale out of Winnipeg who opened a card store here. Apparently, it's a household card store in Winnipeg, so we'd go there every Monday, every, every Saturday morning and buy a pack of cards. Or once they closed down, we went to a place called Collector's Corner after that. Every Saturday morning, and then Tim Hortons. I'm right now looking at my uh, Sidney Crosby Complete Sticks signature card, which was kind of the big hitter or one of the two big hitters from the 1819 ingrained series by Upper Deck. Uh, it was either 87 or that guy who wears 97 in your market. Uh, those, are the, <laughs> right. those are the two. Those are the two big hitters, and I cracked one. So I don't. I don't do a ton of hockey cards anymore, but every once in a while, we've got a couple extra shekels kicking around. I'll uh, yeah. I'll go to one of the extra one of the one of the stores kicking around and uh, see if I can't uh, see if I can't pull a good card. But I, I have, and I, I know you you were turned in last half hour. But Ken's usually on. Yeah, I don't know. I, a few times a year, we always wind up talking about cards. There's a big card store here in Edmonton called Wayne Sports Cards, run by Wayne Wagner. So Wayne's been on the show periodically. And the one thing I've learned, though, is that, like, if somebody out there listening now is thinking, I'm going to start collecting sports cards because I'm going to make a little money off it. No, that's not the lesson. Because most cards, quite frankly, are worth nothing or next to nothing. True. It's like, and I never, I never, and I still don't, I, I never truly got into it for the, uh, the, there was never any monetary gain for me. It was always about, uh, I, I, I sure as hell love pulling the inserts and love pulling the rares and stuff like that, but I've never sold a card in my entire life. So, yeah. uh, and yeah, so I, I would say, I would say the, uh, Probably like 92, 93 was when I really first started because I've got – remember when uh, when Upper Deck did the Hockey Canada kind of futures rookie cards? And so I think Joe Thornton and Paul Correa's rookie cards are actually uh, them in Hockey Canada jerseys. I think those are their official Upper Deck rookies. And, uh, I, and I know that only because I, I have them both and they're displayed somewhere at my parents' place. And, yeah, and then every, every about three or four months, I'd buy the, the Beckett price guide just to see what things were worth, even though I've never sold a card in my life. Okay, Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary joining us. Uh, I'm going to throw another one at you before we get to the Flames uh, stuff. Sure. I started off the show by talking about Jamie Benn's suspension contrasting that with Petrangelo's. I didn't hear a lot of people agree with the Petrangelo suspension, including a lot of people around the NHL uh, that I talked to. Clearly, it was an emotional decision for uh, Oilers fans. Well, what did you make of the Petrangelo suspension, now what you've seen of the of the Benz's suspension? And does the DOPS, is it in need of a bit of an overhaul here, or what do you think? Yes. Absolutely. Like, Okay, so first of all, I don't Jamie Benn two games seems seems reasonable for me. That one I actually don't have a problem with. I, I did find Jamie's explanation quite laughable earlier today when, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have fallen on him and used my stick to break my fall and <laughs> right. I, I thought I thought it was I thought I was watching I think you should leave because like it is is there going to be like is there a punchline at some point? Is he gonna laugh? Like are we where when, when's the payoff here? Just he kept a straight face the entire time. Um, but 
you know, like a very laughable explanation. Of course, he didn't fall on Mark Stone and use your stick to brace your fall on his head. It was clearly a stupid play by the captain of a team with their season on the line and down one nothing, like 90 seconds into the hockey game on your first shift. You get kicked out five in a game and you hurt your team even more. So, and, and now you're probably not coming back for the rest of the series. Just a monumentally stupid, overly emotional play from Jamie Benn. So two games in the playoffs. I mean, it probably could have been more, probably would have been more in the regular season, but at least it's a sizable penalty. They go, I mean, the whole Petrangelo nurse thing, and this is coming from a guy in Calgary who uh, had no problem with Vegas winning that series from a, you know, just a rivalry standpoint, but objectively, and, and I said this on my show, which is called Flames Talk, and I still said this. Um, it was ridiculous. I mean, Darnell Nurse's suspension should have been rescinded, and or or Petrangelo's suspension should have been more than one game. And and the whole idea of well, you have to look at things in in a bubble and on their own merit. Well, no, you don't, because the the Department of Player Safety never thinks like that. They're always taking other things into consideration. So if that's their standard, then they sure as hell should have taken into consideration that, okay, if Darnell Nurse is going to take this one-game suspension, which is written into the rule book for an instigator in the final five minutes, sure, play it by the book and, and enforce the rule, but then don't take, which and, and that was borderline to begin with, but then don't take the non-borderline play where he tried to injure one of Edmonton's two best players and, and give him the same suspension. So it was, it was ridiculous that Petrangelo only got one game at the same time that Nurse got his one game. There's, there's no way that that should have happened, but it did. And the Department of Player Safety has been a wheel of justice that you can never really peg for like a decade. And yet I feel like it's worse than it has ever been, which is pretty telling. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Carolina just tied it, by the way. Panthers Ooh. and Hurricanes 2-2. Uh, All right. So Craig Conroy takes over as uh, as general manager from from some of the things. Well, maybe pick out one or two things he said that kind of really uh, were headlines for you. Well, the number one thing that resonated to me was when he was asked about just the future of this core group of players. And the question was about the core group of players. Like, hey, is, is this core group a group that can win? Do you believe this group of players, as it's constructed right now, can win after, as, as your intro was, was very apt, maybe, maybe, if not the, then one of the most disappointing seasons in Calgary Flames history, like with, without question. And so the question of can you win with this core is a fair one after they failed to meet expectations as drastically as they did. And I thought Conroy's answer was fascinating. He said, we're going to change the core. And then he said, maybe not the core players, but we want more youth in the lineup. And that is something that has been um, a contentious point in this market for years and especially the last two seasons under Daryl Sutter. Even last season when the Flames won the Pacific Division and when they went to, you know, when they played round two against the Oilers, even that year, which was a very successful year, there was still clamoring to get young guys in the lineup, and Daryl Sutter, other than Oliver Shillington, was very reticent in doing so. So this year, different story, roster gets turned over, and 
they go into training camp, and again, they start bringing in veteran players. Trevor Lewis comes back. Michael Stone comes back. Um, and they, they start signing players to contracts on one-year deals. Brett Ritchie comes back. And, and you kind of go into the season, and they're like, okay, well, I don't know. Is there really even a spot open for a young player? So, yeah, maybe Jacob Pelche or Matthew Phillips or one of the other younger potential promising players on this team didn't pop in training camp. But even if they did, I don't know if they would have had an opportunity. And so, and, and then throughout the season, Jacob Pelche was an all-star in the American League and it took forever to get him into the lineup. And then he got into the lineup, played 20 games, looked fine. And then he sat for, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 important games down the stretch where the Flames couldn't seem to figure it out and they ended up missing the playoffs. And you're wondering to yourself, why Why is Pelche not playing? He's been fine. He infuses energy into the lineup. And Daryl Sutter refused to play him because he had all these veteran options. They recalled Matthew Phillips, one of the best players in the American Hockey League. And Daryl Sutter played him for all of 17 minutes combined in two games. And then he sat for two weeks and went back to the American League and never got a sniff again. So that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way outside the organization. And it also frustrated people inside the organization they weren't giving young players an opportunity and that's the one that resonated the most with me and i can tell you based on twitter or or our text line that's the one that resonated most with people is that he's going to get he's going to try anyway and go out of his way and assemble the roster with the idea that young players are going to get an opportunity or more of an opportunity and the other one's jerome mcginla and if and more likely when he joins the organization officially and what that ends up looking like. You know, Conroy didn't say it's going to happen tomorrow, but everything that we're led to believe, everything that I believe, and everything that Craig kind of hinted at, it's going to happen at some point in the not-so-distant future. And getting Jerome officially back in the Flames organization will be a, a real big-time win for him. Uh, and his son, uh, Joe Aginla, is uh, drafted by the Oil Kings. I, 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 I got to tell you this quickly. So what happened was uh, I, I, I had Friday off, and I taped an interview with Joe Aginla on Thursday, and Dave ran it on Friday. And jo- Joe's 14, right? I don't know how often he's been interviewed. He was quite well-spoken. Uh, but at one point, I was like, well, because he said, yeah, I'm like, I'm like so excited to be an Oil King. And I was like, well, what is it about the Oil Kings? Why, why, why the Oil Kings? And he's like, well, it's not one of those teams in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was great. Take that, Prince Albert. <laughs> Well, this kid, he would have he would have grown up in like Calgary and Boston and yeah. Denver. So yeah, I yeah. can I can see that. And then I and then I was like, you know, what do you what do you hear what do you think when you hear people talk about your dad? And he goes, Well, I don't know, it's hard to believe because he was pretty old when I saw him play. <laughs> and I was like, I I yeah, I like that you're honest with the questions, but you you'll probably get some media training from the well case along. <laughs> anyway. Uh who's gonna be the coach? You got a front runner? Um, I would say if I were to be a betting guy, and I think it's close, uh, I think American Hockey League coach Mitch Love is kind of the front runner. And, and, you know, if you go on one of those betting sites and they do those futures, I'd put him at like plus 250 and then some other candidates right behind them. But I think, 
I think Mitch loves the front runner. Here's uh, the two-time American League Coach of the Year, two-time defending, and he's only been in the American League for two years. He's 38 years old. He's had no- nothing but success in the number two league in North America, and there's a lot of people buzzing about him uh, around the league as a p- potential candidate in other spots. And I think the worry is that if the Flames don't make the jump now, and if they decide to play it too cautiously, that he might leave the organization. And then all of a sudden you've got this guy that you discovered and this guy that you kind of developed and had in your organization. And now he's coaching against you. So I, I think that'll play a factor. And also like, take a look at some of the guys who have made the jump to the NHL without any NHL coaching experience over the last little bit. You take a look, like look at how good the coach in your market's done. And I don't think that that is lost on people, the job that Jay Woodcroft has done or the job that Jared Bednar did, even though it ended out, it started as a complete nightmare. And the guy who kind of started the trend most successfully, John Cooper in Tampa Bay. I'm not saying that it's going to go like that for the Flames and Mitch Love, if that's the direction they go. But I think that those decisions and the success that teams have had after making those decisions, I think it it definitely resonates. So I think he's the front runner, uh, at least in the way I handicap it. Um, I think Ryan Huska, who is within the Flames organization right now, has been an assistant for the last five years and has been an American League head coach prior to that with the organization. He also is in the mix, and I don't think there's any doubt that they'll look long and hard at Andrew Burnett and, and his relationship and passed with Jonathan Huberdeau, who they absolutely need to get more of, and that has got to be a priority this offseason, is figuring out why it worked so poorly with Huberdeau last year and how to make that the opposite this time around. So those would be the three names that I am most interested in, and I would handicap those as the, the top three for me. All right, and uh, just quickly, I know we had John uh, a few weeks ago when this was announced, I guess... Uh, election day for the for the Flames has an interesting twist to it with the arena stuff, right? It does, but it sounds like it sounds like if the NDP end up winning on Monday, that they'll also go forward with the agreement, and that seems to be what the prevailing thought is. So, and and honestly, it's probably just smart politics if you're if you're Rachel Notley and her team to uh, to get on board with it just because of how much of a battleground Calgary is. And that's not to say that I agree or disagree that um, $1.2 billion arena project should be an election issue. I'm not suggesting I believe that or don't believe that, but as much as... Uh, uh, as much as we've been told it's not, it clearly is, especially in this market. So I, 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 it's, it feels like less of, it feels like less of a kind of pivotal day for whether or not it gets done or not, regardless of who wins on Monday. All right, Pat, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. If they made a Pat Steinberg sports card, I would definitely get it. He'd be wearing socks. I know that. <laughs> All right, see you, buddy. Bye, buddy. That is, uh, was he suggesting socks and nothing else, Kellen? I think that's what he was suggesting. Uh, yeah. That's where my mind went. Uh, anyway, yeah. that'd be quite a card. Uh, this is Inside Sports on 630 Chet.